0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Amen. If you will join me in the word of the Lord, you can remain seated. The book of 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to go to a, an old story, maybe not a story that is all that familiar to everyone. It's an old story, and I just want to talk for a few minutes and and uh, let the word of God touch our hearts here this evening. I, the book of 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 38. The scripture says, And Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was a dearth in the land, or there was a famine in the land. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, and he said unto his servant, Set on the great pot, And seethed pottage for the sons of the prophets. And one went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine. And gathered thereof wild gourds his lap full. And came and shred them into the pot of pottage. For they knew them not. So they poured out to the men to eat. And it came to pass as they were eating of the pottage that they cried out and said, O thou man of God. There is death in the pot, and they could not eat thereof. Verse 41 is really where I want to draw my thought from today. And he, then he, But he said, then bring meal, and he cast it into the pot. And he said, pour out for the people that they may eat, and there was no harm in the pot. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want to make sure that we're all on the same launching pad this morning, that the sons of the prophet were gathered for a season, a time of teaching, in the middle of a famine, a great famine. And so a man, a nameless, faceless man, was sent out into the field to gather herbs to make a pot of stew, and unwittingly he gathered poisonous things and put it in the pot. And as they began to eat, someone recognized that and said, there is death in the pot. And so Elijah said, go get some meal or go get something to make bread. And that's that's our key right there. Go get something to make bread. And that ingredients of bread, the meal was cast into the pot. And then, and then the prophet of God does something almost unthinkable. And so we not only have to admire his faith for Casting that meal into the pot. But then he said to the sons of the prophets, are these, these men who were there for the learning? He said, now dip unto them again. And so it took great faith for them to take a second helping of something that they knew was death unto them. And so to grasp uh, perhaps the significance of the miracles of both Elijah and Elijah, it's important to remember that almost everything they did in their earthly ministries was... Was against the backdrop or contrasted against uh, the idol worship of Baal and the idolatry of that day. And so it was a stark contrast of their God against the God of Baal. And so the miracles that were wrought by the hands of both Elijah, which were seven major miracles, and Elisha, 14 major miracles, were in this setting of. Uh, contrasting between the right God or righteous God and Baal. And so the miracles did nothing more than just to illuminate the power of the true God. And so it wasn't God just doing something to show and shine as though it were just a sideshow event, but he was proving himself to be who they had declared him to be. In the northern kingdom of Israel where Both Elijah and Elisha ministered, the people including their leaders had abandoned the Lord and they had abandoned his word and certainly had abandoned his way. They had given themselves completely to the worship of Baal. In Deuteronomy, when we find the introduction of the laws of God, the Lord had promised that if they were faithful to him, they would be blessed. And those blessings are very defined in scripture. But if they disobeyed and went after idolatrous gods of the nations, then they would be cursed. And those cursings are very defined in scripture. And so annually as we read through the scripture, the word of God, we come to that place in Deuteronomy. We read about these blessings. They're very pronounced. And we read about those very pronounced cursings as well. And so it was because Israel had been chosen by God. They were not just a people, but they were custodians of truth. And today, if I could just go ahead and insert this in your mind, that is exactly what we are today. We're not just Holy Ghost-filled individuals, but we have been entrusted as custodians of truth. And so that's why we can't compromise. Amen. That's why we can't yield ourselves to the ever-shifting winds of time, because we are custodians of truth and so there were to be a witness. They were there to be a voice. They were there to be uh, a representation of utter righteousness. And so if, if Israel would just fulfill their purpose, they would be able to demonstrate then not only the power of their God, but more importantly, they would be able to demonstrate the futility of the gods of this nation. This fact would be made clear by the blessings that would come upon their obedience and the cursings that would come upon for their disobedience. Leviticus chapter 26 sets forth the laws concerning obedience and disobedience or blessings and cursings. The cursing for disobedience would continue until Israel repented. If they did not repent, then it would, it would, the end result would be their captivity and not only their captivity, but their scattering. One aspect of God's blessings that demonstrated his reality and his power was the blessing of rain. And so when the blessing of rain comes, it's not just moisture from the air. It's not just the, the wind that is clear, but it's the land, the land that begins to produce, the land that begins to yield the seed that is buried in it. And so Baal was proclaimed, ironically, to be the God that brought rain, therefore the God that brought productivity to the land. He was also held to be the God of fertility. However, the miracles of both Elisha and Elijah, uh, the miracles uh, in that day, the famine, much like the the day of uh, Elisha disproved this fact because here is the God Baal that was the God of rain or the God of fertility, the God of productivity that was hamstrung because God's man said there will be no rain for three years. And so we understand that it is clear, or at least it should be clear and concise, who God really was. In place of the rain, they received drought. Basically, the real problem was the battle for the minds of men. And certainly, that's where we are today. There are many things that that we could talk about, many true battles that we fight on a daily basis. They vary from person to person and from family to family. Uh, We all have our own cross to carry, maybe as someone has said, but there is another battle that's going on and this battle is something that is common ground for all of us and that is the battleground of the mind, the battleground of the beliefs of men. I I just want to say again today not to be unkind, but I say this because there's a holy mandate upon my life to declare this, that all roads do not lead to Rome and you just can't do whatever you want to do and make it to heaven. I mean, the Bible has too many uh, too many notations in it proving otherwise. And so there is this battle in our mind for our faith, our battle in our mind against our beliefs. And let me tell you today, if, if your core values, if your core beliefs have not been challenged, just buckle up. They will be. And so we need to have things in our heart. That's a wonderful thing to be passionate about the word of God, the work of God, to be passionate about the things of God, but more or as equally as important as having something in our heart, we need to have this in our mind as well to be able to rightly divide and connect the word of God, to be able to defend, so to speak, our our stance and our belief. And so we need to make a, a real concerted effort that we understand what we believe. In essence, it was the battle for the word of God. I want to talk to you this morning about being transformed by the word of God. I, I will tell you this morning that even while we sit in this house, even while I am speaking today, that there is a transformation that is going on. It may be so subtle that that, that we don't recognize it. It may be it may be so gentle. It may be such a a, a tender working of the Master's hand that we don't really understand that what's going on right now. But I'm gonna tell you, you can't even read this book or talk about this book or journey through this book without this book having some effect on our heart and our mind. And so no matter how many times you've heard the story or how many times you've read the story, I got some advice for you, hear it again and read it again, visit it again because in it the wellspring of life and the strength and the joy for the journey is set for us. If we're not listening to the word of God on a regular basis and certainly if we're not obeying the word of God, then we instinctively will begin little by little to take the viewpoint and the belief system of the world. That's why we've got to stay in the word of God. Amen. That it's it is so so important that we hold on to this, because if we do not, we will just instinctively, we we will just hear things and it will just melt away the convictions in our own heart that we have once held dear and held true. And so I say, Lord, help me to understand the word, lest I believes a lie and be damned. That's what the scripture says. And so when societies take this route, when individuals take this route or families or churches or even when societies or nations take this route, it is like that pot of death that is given to us in our text. It was for this purpose that God raised up Elijah and Elisha. These were two mighty men of God, mightily used of God. And they were powerful in their beliefs and power, in the, powerful in the demonstration of their beliefs. It was through these men that God performed miracles to validate the reality and the, uh, the the truthfulness of his word. Through these men, God sought to turn Israel back to himself. These miracles were performed as only validating tools of God's power. Again, I, I don't think ever, ever that we find God just showboating for the sake of showboating, but to validate that he is who he is. And not only to validate his message, but there are times that God performs miracles to validate his messenger. But that's no reason for the messenger to get lifted up because it's God, his word, his power, his message. And so the miracles were first and foremost signs to validate the messenger, but only, only as a means to validate the message. And through the nation as a whole, they had turned from God, even though many had turned from God, all of them had not turned from God. You remember God's man in the moment of discouragement said there's none left but me. But the Lord was quick to remind him that they, he said I have 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. And so you're, you're not alone in this. And so this among this 7,000 it included this school of prophets that the scripture speaks about. This is somewhat what we may consider a Bible college or a, or a seminary in our more popular or our more modern time. One such school was the school we find in Second Kings four in Gilgal, and that's where we t- took our text. Elijah had returned to Gilgal, where the school of prophets were located, and and uh, that was no small thing. I think the first thing uh, that that uh, should be brought to our attention. Is found in verse thirty-eight, and that is the fact that that Elijah or Elisha returned. He returned. Elisha could have remained in the home of the Shunammite, brother Jerry spoke about on Wednesday night, where he had there provided for him comfort, food. There was there was provision there for him, but there was a calling in his heart that spoke louder than comfort, louder than provision, louder than than acceptance. There was something in his heart and that was the propagation of the gospel. I've got to break the bread of life and I've got to plant this in the heart in the lives of some people. And so as a true shepherd bound to his duty, his heart, amen, in the right place, he went right back to the school of prophets and began to minister to their need. That's a time of famine, And anytime there's a time of famine, it is a great opportunity to communicate the word of God. I'm going to tell you that in broken situations, that is a wonderful time to communicate the word of God. Amen. The second point brought to our attention is the fact that the prophets returned in this, not only that he returned, but when he returned in the time of famine. It was a land of promise. That's what we can't lose sight of, a famine in the land of promise. It's a land which God had sworn to Israel. Amen. He said, this is the land that I'm going to give you, a land that God swore to give them. Furthermore, he promised to bless the land and make it fruitful if Israel would obey the Lord. am going back to Deuteronomy. If you do right, I will bless you. If you do wrong, I will curse you. But God had also promised that curse. And so here's where we're focused today. Amen. The book of Deuteronomy 28 and 23, the scripture says... And thy heaven that is over thy head shall be brass, and the earth that is under thee shall be iron. The Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust. From heaven shall it come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. What a perplexing moment to hear God utter such words! All of this, as a, all of this, stemming from their disobedience. So. Uh, To Israel that was drenched in the teaching of Baal, there was a famine exactly as God had promised because they were outside the line that God had set. Of course, the real problem was not just the famine of real bread and not just the famine of real food and things of that nature, but the, the famine was spiritual as well. It was a godless hour, a godless society. This was a society that was seeking to live without the inspired word of God. And can I tell you today that when I read the book of Kings and I read about a society that seemed to be comfortable living outside the power and the presence of the Lord, I I can't ignore the very hour in which we are living today. When people are making conscious decisions to try to live outside of the power of God, If I could be more specific today, we have people that are trying to have church without the power and the presence of God. And it just becomes a drama. It just becomes a showmanship. It just becomes something to go and see. And so on the stage, you have nothing more than entertainers. And in the pew, you have nothing more than those that have come to spectate and and to be entertained. And when it's all said and done, somehow we scratch our conscience and feel that we have done God a wonderful service when in fact we have rendered a disservice to the Lord. I'm gonna tell you, if the Lord don't show up in this church, we're going to be in trouble. It doesn't matter how much talent we have or ability we have, and we have a lot of talent. We have a lot of ability, and I thank God for that on a daily basis. I'm not... I don't take that for granted. And so whatever we have, I say thank you, Lord, for these gifted hands. And as Brother Mike Williams calls it, baptized brains. (laughs) I thank God for gifted hands and baptized brains. But, oh, help us to realize that we can't do one thing of eternal consequence without the unadulterated moving of the Spirit, the unfettered presence and power of God to move us. What will change the heart? What will transform us? It's the word of God. The word is what can turn death into life. The word of God is what can take us when we have been robbed and depleted of all strength and energy and hope. It is the word of God that can touch us and sustain us. Now, you may think that I'm saying this As a matter of convenience because I'm a declarer of this word. Well, if you want to form that opinion, you're welcome to it. But I will tell you this morning that I don't just declare the word of God. I recognize the need of the word of God in my own life. There have been times when I felt like that I was depleted in my spirit or i felt like that the enemy was just trying to encroach in with a spirit of unrest or even a spirit of fear amen uh, is that all right and i just wanted to turn on some preaching i just want to get some get into the word of god myself or maybe just listen to somebody else preach that word of god and you know what happens amen the word of god can transform it can touch our minds I'm not asking you today for a show of hands, but I wonder how many times we've come to this house and we said, you know, I need something, but I don't really know what I need. (laughs) and we came in and and, and so the songs that we sing you know what the songs that we sing whether they're praise songs or whether they're hymnals they're all rooted in the word of God and so we find strength in the song we find strength in the word and we leave feeling a lot better about our life our situation our circumstances even though we may go right back home to the very same situation we have somehow been touched and molded and mended by the word of God Of God. Don't ever discount the word of God. I certainly don't say this to sound unkind uh, to you today, but I'm telling you that more than one time have I stood in a pulpit where there was not an emphasis on the word, but there was an emphasis on other things, maybe an emphasis on singing, an emphasis on talent, an emphasis on showmanship, and when they all got through with their talent and their, when the show had ended, as far as they were concerned, church was over. Amen. Amen. And the word, we're just going to like toss that on there, just like a little pepper on, on a dish. Just, just something here we're just going to throw in here at the last minute. But I'm going to tell you what I'm thankful for. Among the many, many things that I was raised to believe and taught as a child from my, from my childhood up. uh, My whole life, I heard, I heard people say when they were getting ready to introduce the preacher and now for the most important part of the service. I heard that before I was a preacher. I heard that before I was the one going to the desk. And now, for the most important part of the service, if nothing else happens, but we can just go to the Word of God, we need the power and the Word of God because the Word is what transforms our life. Brother Brother Pat Williams, Brother Mike Williams' father, We uh, many of you knew Brother Jesse Williams. What a tremendous uh, man of God he was! Pastored a great church in Fayetteville, North Carolina, pastored by one of his grandsons, Darrell Williams, to this day. And and uh, for many years, some thirty years, Brother Jesse Williams was involved at very high levels of leadership in the United Pentecostal Church. The last many years of his uh, of his servanthood to the organization, he spent as an assistant general superintendent. And uh, I have shared this story before with our congregation, but it just comes to mind tonight how many times that uh, circumstances may uh, may demand that he be in another place and and uh, he would have to leave their service prematurely because he had to, to get somewhere else to be able to minister to them. I think a couple of things are commendable here that he had a congregation that was willing to share him and uh, because of that, our organization just uh, was blessed beyond anything we can measure in this life. But secondly, Brother Williams would uh, be pressed for time, perhaps uh, the, the time of his flight departing, and and so they would come to church and he, I heard him share this, uh, himself, myself, I heard him share this, that, that he would go on some occasions to their church and they would preach first. Right. Because he had to leave the service. <laughs> But we got to take care of the most important thing. And so y'all, and and I know our musicians and singers, I know you're not taking this the wrong way, but sing as long as you want to, but we've got to get things that can transform lives. We don't want to omit that. We don't want to take that out. And so I, I, I commend the church. I commend the church for not only being able to share, but I commend the church for saying, you know what, I agree, we need to connect to the word. Amen, we'll worship and praise, and that has a very, very important place in our life. But the word is what will transform us. I'm thankful for the word of God. Praise the Lord. Amen. So it, here was a society, a godless society that was seeking to live without the inspired word of God. Well, there's a lot of things coming to my mind right now and I'll try to stop exiting off just every ramp I pass by, but let me just say this. We need the inspired word of God. Amen, I'm thankful for those times that God moves upon my heart before the service or days ahead or maybe even sometimes weeks ahead. I'm thankful for those moments, but I'm thankful for moments like I feel right now, inspired words, amen, that just come to our heart. We need that inspired word of God to touch us. There are some principles I think that we can gain from this. When a nation turns from the Lord, it not only reaps what it has sown and brings the judgment of God upon it, but here's something else that we must consider, and that is that the godly that are left are going to suffer as well, because it rains on the just and the unjust, and so there's a famine in the land. There's there there is a drought, there is a famine in the land, and so everybody's being affected to this by, to some degree, and so even though God did supply their needs, they were still suffering the consequences of the idolatry that was a part of their nation. Let me tell you today, we don't live in a bubble. And the the the, the, the untethered evil that is set loose in America right now, I'm just going to call it like it is, is affecting us. It's affecting how we live. It's affecting our world. Amen. Things that are just loose in our world. We are not in some protective bubble. I hope to... I hope to clarify this in your mind on on both sides of this I know God's grace does sustain us and his grace does keep us but I'm going to tell you some of the evil that we are facing today and some of the things that even encroach upon our own life is an end result of the society that we live in I'm going to tell you that America can't take God out of school and can't take God out of this and out of that and out of government places and it not come home to roost in our own lives Amen. That's why we need the Word of God. We need it more than we have ever, ever needed it before. We need the Word of God. Don't discount what may happen when what we may even refer to as a simplistic prayer. Don't discount what can happen when we make room for God in any area of our life. In the same way, because of our spiritual and moral breakdown in our nation today, we feel the effects of that. We, we are, our life is touched by those things. Secondly, the further, this further reminds us of the need and the responsibilities that we have as the church to function In the two roles that God called us, and that is as light and as salt. Now, one would think that the darker the night, the more welcome the smallest candle would be. But it's not true for the lovers of darkness because they despise light, because light reveals, light opens the door, light opens the eyes. Amen, light illuminates the darkness. And salt, not only does it season and savor, but salt preserves. It is that preserving agent. So the church, we have a responsibility this this morning. We have a responsibility to understand that we must function as light and we must function as salt. Now, just a, a moment ago, I didn't intend to use this in an illustration, but a moment ago, I didn't realize that one of the lamps in my office on the table was out until I set my phone down. When I set my phone down, the table the light came back on. Some when I, somewhere when I turned around, it went back off. In a few moments, we looked, and it was back on again. And uh, that was cute for a, a little while ago, but I've got to do something about that because I don't want a faulty light. Because I know what's going to happen. When I need it most, that's when it's going to go out for good. And you know what? The world doesn't need someone that's on again and off again and here and there and here and there. Amen. The world, when it is dark, needs somebody that is true light, real light, counted on light. Amen. Dependable light. Praise God. Amen. So I say, Lord, help us as the church to realize that we are a preserving agent. Amen. So go ahead and stand. Go ahead and let the world call us antiquated. My wife reminded me this week that the word teaches us that we will be despised. He was despised. So go ahead and be despised. Why? Because we're trying to preserve something that's worth keeping around. We're trying to hold on to something that's worth holding on to. A message that not only changed my life and your life but it'll change the life of people that are yet to walk through the doors of this assembly and this is not just cute stories to entertain our children these are not just cute stories to encourage us when we are discouraged but there's power set forth when the word of God goes forth <laughs> hallelujah something happens in the heart of men when the light of God's word goes forth so don't ever just don't ever get a disdain for the preaching of the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to, if you've only got one lean up, if you've only got one lean forward in you, if you've only got one slide to the edge of your seat in you when you come to the house of God, save that for when the preacher walks to this holy desk and opens this book. Amen. If you've only got one lean in, then lean in then. If you've only got one set forward, then you set forward then. If you've only got one slide to the front, use it right then because it is there it is then that the power of God and his word can transform our lives praise God, let's clap our hands (coughs) Thank thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus amen, so the church we must stand and be counted such conditions also mean times of need and opportunity for the people of God. So we need to gather as often as we can for the teaching and the encouragement of the word of God that equips us to reach the lost, that helps us, that, in, that, that guides us. It's exactly what we see here with the disciples of Elisha. We can't forget that one of the reasons that this nation turned away from God was because it, it got wrapped up in their own pursuits Amen, so God said, if that's what you want, I'll just give that to you then. The same thing can happen to us today. People can get wrapped up in their own world, so caught up in their own world. But I think, and and I'm, I'm gonna have to hasten here, but I think what we can't lose sight of is the beauty of this story, that in the midst of a time where a nation by and large had given themselves to idolatry. A nation by and large had forsaken the word of God and God himself. There was a remnant of people, sons of prophets. Amen. The Bible says in 2 Kings four thirty eight, and the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. I think it's so imperative that we get that word picture in our mind because that's what we see here today. Sons of the prophets that are sitting before him. Amen. They were in Bible class. <laughs> they were learning about the word of God. Amen. There there may have been some there may have been pardon me, there may have been some bellies that were growling. It was a time of famine. But they hadn't forgot the main thing. And they gathered into the Bible class because they said we need to learn something. They were listen, listening intently. To the, to the man of God. And so in this context of physical and spiritual famine, Elisha said to his servant, he said, go get the great pot. Set on the great pot. seethe pottage for the sons of the prophets. Now here's a perfect time for an illustration. Like the Lord often did, he was gonna use his man to illustrate something very, very powerful. First, he was gonna meet their needs for food. But at the same time, he was going to use this as an opportunity to reinforce some spiritual truth in their heart and their mind. The word pottage uh, refers to what we might call soup or stew or uh, sometimes when we make soup or stew in our house, that means that uh, just whatever's left over. (laughs) We try not to get the dish rag in there, but outside of that, just a little of this, a little of that. I mean, you just put whatever you want to put in soup. I I love soup and I love stews and those those kind of things. And so just put whatever. It's it's an assortment of things, put it that way, all boiled together. And so here is an instructional analogy here that we can take away. The pot, much like the world, a mixture of philosophies and ideas of man, perhaps even humanistic things. It's through these means that sometimes people attempt to satisfy the spirit man, we're going to feed the spirit man with some just philosophies of men. And, and, and from that, many times, cults and, and uh, all, all sorts of things are born out of that because we're trying to sustain ourselves on something that does not have the purity of God's word in it. Amen. There's a whole message right there. It's so important to stay on track because we have an appetite And that's how weird and strange things can be born when we try to do this outside of God. We need God at the center. It's interesting to note that the ingredients for the pottage, wild herbs, and everything was from the field. The word field used in Scripture here refers to an open and uncultivated area of land. Amen. Uh, Things were a place where things grow wild. The unnamed gatherer of, of these herbs went out, found what he thought would would be right. He wasn't uh, on a mission to do anybody any harm. After all, he would be partaking of this himself. And so there was a lot of innocence that was wrapped up in this. But what he found out in the field, or if I could liken the field to the world, what he found out in the world was nothing more than poison. Amen. And so untrained in these matters, he mistook wild things for something edible. He mistook poisonous things for something that would bring health and not take life. Can I tell you today that it really matters, it really matters where you set your passions and what you partake of because those things gnaw away, gnaw away. The world, I will tell you today, that we live in is full of poisonous ideas. They look harmless. They look innocent. And sometimes, here's the real tragedy, they even resemble the truth. They're bitter and they bring spiritual death to man. So we have to be able to recognize this. We need to pray. If we pray for nothing else, we need to pray for the spirit of discernment. God, help me to know what is right and help me to know what is wrong. And you know what? God doesn't always just drop down a banner from heaven and point out to me every little nuance and every little detail, but sometimes I just feel it. You're going to relate to this now? I feel a check in my spirit. I said, wait a minute, there's something that's not right. I don't know what this is, but something is just not right. I need that. I need that in my life to be able to recognize that. We need to be trained for the word of God. The Bible says that they poured out for the men to eat. And so unsuspectingly, these men partook of this poison stew and the effects were experienced. And undoubtedly, they got sick, pain. Without a doubt, fear struck this camp. And then one man cried, there is death in the pot. This was a serious thing. So they cried out to the man of God and here's the clear lesson that we take away from this today. The world is full of very, very deadly and poisonous ideas and to the untrained ear, to the untrained heart, they may sound good, they may look good, it may seem right, but it is full of death. Amen. And this, furthermore, what we see in this is a picture of our responsibility. Amen. Our responsibility is to keep declaring the truth to add the Word of God because the Word is what brings balance. The Word of God. Proverbs 3 and 5, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your, thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, marrow to thy bones. Now, I understand some of you may be ahead of me, but let me, for the sake of all, Stay with this. Just a couple of more minutes. Elisha called for meal, or he called for flour to be thrown into the pot. And it was the miraculous addition of the flour that neutralized the poison. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful illustration of what happens when you add the bread of life, the word of God, to dangerous situations. Amen. And so we call upon the word. Jesus Christ himself is referred to as the bread of life. Amen. The the meal stands as a picture of the Lord, that living word of God who of course is only revealed to us in scripture through his word. That's why we need to get in this book. In the beginning was the word. (laughs) And the word was with God and the word was God. We need this Word. We need this. We'll never graduate from this Word, the Word of God. I think perhaps one of the most beautiful sights that I ever see inadvertently from time to time is to see those well-worn Bibles where someone has visited again and again and again and again. I had the privilege not long ago of sitting down beside Elder uh, Ellis Myers from Palm Bay, and as we sat there, he, I was sitting to his left, and he sat down and he, he set his Bible down. I just couldn't help it. I just had to reach out and pull it. And I opened that Bible, and there were highlight marks, and there were underlined and notes in the margin. It was a place well-worn, a man who had understood a long time ago that if I'm going to be changed... It's going to be the word of God. And so what we see before us in this simple story is not just another miracle. But what we see before us is a concoction, a, a, a combination of bitter things, poisonous things that were made whole. And they were brought into check by the meal or by the flour or by that ingredients of bread. Jesus, the bread. Amen. God himself, I tell you today, is what it's going to take to transform us. It'll change us. I want to fall in love with him again and again and again and again. I want you to stand with me. I've told the old story many, many times about a man told to be true. I hope it's not. They were having some marital problems and as they sat before their marriage counselor, he asked her, what is the issue? And she said, he never tells me that he loves me. To which he spoke up and said, I told you 35 years ago I love you. If I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. I'm sure in his peanut-sized mind, he had a real good point. That's just not how it plays out in real life. And so I'm thankful that the Lord thought enough of all of us that he didn't just give us his word and tell us one time that he loves us. But you know what I felt this morning as we began this service? (laughs) We sang a song I've been really humming for several days now. I need thee, oh, I need thee. I felt a, I, I hope you don't think this odd, but I felt a reciprocation of those words coming back. Amen. Not just us saying to God, I need thee, oh, I need thee. And he with folded arms and an arrogant, pompous look saying, well, I guess you do. I'm God. But I felt a reciprocation in the spirit of him saying, I need you too. I need you to be my arms. I need you to be my legs and my hands and my feet and my eyes and my voice. Amen. I'm glad that the Lord reminds us that he loves us again and again. I want to do that. I want to fall in love with him. Would you lift your hands heavenward right now collectively? And can we thank the Lord for his word and the strength of his word? In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.